0: You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate.
1: Welcome into to the Hogbeat Hour. It's UAPB week, so it's going to be a light show, guys. We're going to talk. We're, there's no know the foe this week. It's a, it's a basketball talk with Jackson Collier um, from Hogbeat.com. But I am your host, Mason Choate. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour. We got Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader here. Hutch, I mean, we got we got to do some business first.
2: Go ahead and tell them about the deals we got going on at Hogbeat.com. Yeah, we've still got a deal going for just a, a few more days uh, The through the end of the month for students. Uh, if you're a student at the University of Arkansas, somewhere else, uh, any university, uh, shoot me an email with your .edu email address. So that way I know you're a student. And I will hook you up with a a deal for the first year of Hogbeat for just $11.95. I think we've done the math. That's like three cents a day or less than three cents a day. It's a heck of a deal. It's usually $100. Uh, So just be sure to shoot me an email. My email is andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com. If you ever need help finding that, we've got the deal uh, kind of promoted at the the top of all of our stories on hogbeat.com. So you should be able to find it relatively easy. Uh, so don't don't hesitate. Don't don't wait any much much longer because uh, the end of the month, you know, once Halloween passes, uh, the deal is no more. All right. Business is out of the way. Let's
1: talk Auburn, guys. Um, three straight losses. I don't know if you should have lost to Auburn. I don't know if you should have lost to Ole Miss, but you did. And you're sitting at four and three now. Um, Hutch, I just want to start with you. Where did it go wrong against Auburn, man?
2: Yeah, I mean that that's that's a great question. Um, you know, it, it seemed there for a little bit they were going to be able to, to pull it out like we we all expected. Uh, you know, they they scored there at the end of the first half, and and then again at the start of the second half. You know, your classic two for one uh, worked to to perfection. You get some stops, you know, a couple of three and outs to start the second half, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. Arkansas is going to you know assert its dominance and and prove that it's the better team, uh, but then you know, they, they let a, let a punt drop that let it bounce back an extra 15 yards. And you're suddenly, you know, deep in your own territory, couple of sacks, you're hitting the end zone fumble Auburn recovers for a touchdown. And it was just, it was over after that. Um, it was just really, really unfortunate the way it all unfolded because it really was set up for them to, to, to win that game, you know, get to this UAPB game and, and, you know, enter the, Enter the bye week with the, what, 6-2 and record? I mean, that would have been incredible. But, you know, alas, it didn't happen, and now they're going to have to regroup and try to to figure things out down the stretch.
1: Alex, I want to bring you in on this one because you are our resident Big Ten guy, so you kind of have an outside perspective. But when you watch the Arkansas game, and I guess specifically Arkansas versus Auburn games, do you see these calls being made by sec referees uh, are they sometimes questionable and is it not just i know we know it's not just arkansas auburn it's all sec games but specifically arkansas auburn
3: yeah i think you could be a patriot league fan and see that some of these calls are just terrible you're you go back to last year and that was this year you didn't necessarily have that complete jobbing that changed the the outcome of the game last year you had a direct outcome change in that game and then this year you have um, well it didn't change change the final t- score it, it did mess up what would have been a, a kind of a mo- momentous comeback for Arkansas there with that fumble that it would have given all the momentum to their side and you know you just really didn't see though the penalty yards were about even in this game you didn't really see those big time calls being made against the Tigers
1: I don't know if you guys remember, it was earlier this year, Memphis was playing Mississippi state and there was some, it was like a punt return for a touchdown or something. And what, what happened, Alex, do you remember what happened?
3: Um. Yeah. So it, it was a punt and it, it you know, when you take a knee and your hand is on the ball, that's generally a downing of the punt when the ball is not moving. Um the punt the one ref behind the play blew it dead or didn't blow it dead but started waving his hands in the air signaling it dead and then a memphis player just picked it up and ran it back and no one reviewed it no one seemed to question anything and not only that there were two number fours on the field which should have been a five-yard penalty and a replay of downs so there was just so much missed by the sec refs in that game and you know, we talk about Arkansas getting jobbed against Auburn. How about Mississippi State getting jobbed by refs from your own conference against a G5 team? That's something I wasn't expecting.
1: Okay, <clears throat> Hutch, we'll bring you back in here. I want to talk about this defense, specifically the secondary. Uh, you have in our outline here, Bo Nicks look looked like a Heisman contender. I'd say that that's about right. So did Matt Corral, but of course Matt Corral is a legit Heisman contender. <laughs> But what's going wrong in the secondary? We know Jalen Catalan's not back there for the rest of the season, but this was supposed to be like the strongest group on the defense this year. And where what's going on?
2: Yeah, it, I don't think it's a stretch to say it's a the secondary's been a disappointment because on paper it was a really deep and talented group with a lot of you know former four-star recruits. I mean, just look at your starting lineup. You know, whenever you're in your 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 base nickel defense. You, your starting corners are Ladarius Bishop and Monteric Brown, two four star recruits. Your nickels, Greg Brooks, a four star recruit. Jalen Catalan, a four star recruit. And then you got Joe Fouche, who is was a high three star and has started for, you know, about a million games for you. So you thought that this was going to be a really good group and it just has never materialized. You know, even early in the season when Arkansas was, you know, second in the country in pass defense, that never really felt like they were that good. It it was, it was all kind of smoke and mirrors in that, you know, they were letting guys behind them and Hudson Carr just couldn't hit them or whoever the Georgia Southern quarterback was couldn't hit them. You know, that was kind of what was going on. And so I don't know why they've, they've struggled so much, you know, against Auburn, <clears throat> I would say, you know, a big factor was, you know, one Catalan was out, but then also Bishop was out. And so you had, Hudson Clark playing the whole game and you always know, saw him get beat on the the big 71 yard touchdown. It really kind of was the nail in the coffin for Arkansas. So I'm not sure what needs to happen. I think it's going to be big this week that Ladarius Bishop should be back. We'll get more into that later. Uh, but I think the secondary, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a growing pains down down the stretch because you got Miles Slusher, a young guy back there. Uh, You'll know, got some other young guys are going to be mixing in there. So yeah, I'm not sure what like why it's it's struggled the way it has because I thought it was going to be a, a strength of the defense but no that Bo Nix I mean he he went out there and is not a very good quarterback I think we talked about it last week not a very good passer like 57 58 completion percentage and he goes out against Arkansas and completes 81 percent and a lot of deep balls he was accurate on it just was was a total total disaster for Arkansas's uh, secondary against Auburn
1: now of course we know that when it comes to the passing game, the first thing you got to do defensively is get a pass rush, and Arkansas hasn't been able to do that very successfully either. So that that in turn is not helping the secondary. Um, they're kind of left on an island out there. So what happened to that pass rush that we were talking about against Texas A&M, where Trey Williams is a top defensive lineman in the SEC, John Ridgeway
2: is a monster, and now it's like you haven't heard from either one of them in a while. I don't think either one of them is fully healthy. Trey Williams has been banged up pretty much all year. It seems like we've we've seen him limp off the field at practice or have to go to the training room and get wrapped up or whatever. Uh, so I don't know if he's fully healthy. I think the same thing can be said about John Ridgeway. You know, this this is Ridgeway's first time playing in a you know full blown SEC schedule. I mean, he's used to FCS ball. He did play in the spring, so I don't know how much that maybe contributes to it. Um, so I. those those guys got to get healthy that's why this is the the way the UAPB game fell with it being UAPB followed by the open date I think is huge because it's essentially a two-week break for Arkansas I hope we don't see either one of those guys more than a few series uh, so they can just get healthy and get right uh, for a a critical four-game stretch down the down the stretch and then you know Mississippi State you know coming in uh, you're going to want to generate some pass rush in that game uh, to to hopefully kind of throw off that air raid attack but yeah they, they've got to get healthy and, and they've got to get some other guys step up whether that be a Zach Williams or a Jashad Stewart or Eric Gregory uh, someone like that needs to step up and, and provide some pass rush as well well
1: one of the lone bright spots for Arkansas there's a few uh, it's a, it's got to be Traylon Burks I mean Traylon Burks continues to dominate every week I wish that you know we could do fantasy football for college and I could have Traylon Burks on my team because he's he's just one of those dudes where you know that he's going to get his touches every week Alex where do you see Traylon ranking not just in the SEC but around the country because he is truly showing that he is a legit first round prospect
3: Yeah, I've got him third right now. I had him third coming into the season. I think he's an immense talent, um, you know, and he's been showing it more the last couple weeks. He didn't necessarily start off as hot as you might have liked against the Rice and the Georgia Southern teams. But when you see what he does against AM, what he does against Ole Miss, and, and then what he did again last weekend, it's been very impressive seeing some of those catches come down. I do think that, you know, those guys up in Columbus, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, who were getting the preseason hype have, Lived up to it, so I can't necessarily drop them down. But Traylon Burks is a solid number three for me right now.
1: We'll wrap this up by just talking about Arkansas versus Auburn and the history of it, because you've now lost six straight to Auburn, eight of the last nine. Hudge, why? Like we know that Auburn has had some good teams, and then Arkansas had some really bad teams. But it's like two straight years; those are games that you should have won. How does Auburn? How does Auburn has? How does Auburn have Arkansas's number? And how, what does Arkansas
2: have to do to finally get over that hump? I think they're going to need to get more talented players, and I mean that's not just to beat Auburn; that's to to be competitive in the SEC. You've got to be able to build depth. You've got to be able to to have better players, you know, in your two or three deep. Uh, that if you do have injuries like what Arkansas is experiencing, it's not the end of the world. And I, I don't think they have that right now. And Auburn. If you look at what they've done recruiting wise, you know, they're, I mean, they are second fiddle in their state because Alabama is just, just Alabama, I guess you could say. Uh, but Auburn does a really good job of recruiting. They're consistently in like the top 10 of the recruiting rankings, bringing in high profile players. And even though they've had, you know, coaching change and a guy that's, you know, some people question the hire with not having much sec experience or any sec experience, uh, it seems like he's inherited a good situation where he's got lots of talented players. And uh, that's just not where Arkansas is right now. They, they need to get more depth on their team. And, and I just, I think they're working on it, but it's just not there yet. And so you're going to lose these type of games to Auburn or whatever, just because you don't quite have the same level of talent or the same level of depth as they do.
1: All right. Coming up next, we got news of the week couple injury updates, some that you might not want to hear. Uh, Then we got Hoof Sock with Jackson Collier from Hogbeat.com, and then we're going to preview the UAPB game ourselves here on the Hogbeat Hour.
0: You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com.
1: Back here on the Hogbeat Hour, we got a short segment of news of the week. Not a whole lot going on, especially because you're playing UAPB, and you have a by week next week. But of course, probably the biggest news is Jalen Catalan out for the season, losing your best defensive player, maybe even the best player on your team rivaling Traylon Burks. But Hutch just how much does this hurt Arkansas's defense? I think we've kind of seen the impact so far, but um just moving forward, you talked about that stretch at the end of the year. You you're gonna need a guy like Catalan to step up. And so how much is that gonna really hurt that Arkansas defense that's already hurting?
2: Yeah, it definitely doesn't help. But I mean, I guess one way to look at it is that I don't think Jalen Catalan was healthy, even at the beginning of the year. Uh, he did start out the year hot with a couple of interceptions his Rice. But even the Texas game and, and beyond, he, he wasn't playing that well. He wasn't making the same kind of hits that we've come to expect. Um, we he struck, I mean, he wasn't making great plays and coverage. You know, he had a chance to intercept a pass against Ole Miss. that could have changed that game, but he wasn't able to come down with it. Uh, and that was obviously because he has a, he's playing with a broken hand as well. So he has a cast on his hand. Uh, they, they need, they need Miles Slusher to step up and be the guy they expected him to be. I mean, he's a four-star recruit as well. Young guy. He played quite a bit last year as a true freshman. Uh, now he's going to be playing as a, a sophomore. He's banged up at the early part of the year. So you hope that he's fully healthy and able to maybe play a little bit closer to what we expected Jalen Callon to play this year because uh, you really need it. And, and you're going to have guys like Malik Chavis having to step up and play some at safety. We haven't really seen much of him. He was a, a three star recruit out of, of Risen, Arkansas, a very raw prospect, but they like what he has athletically. Can he be a, a significant contributor on the back end? And uh, so, I, I mean, it sounds like they're expecting Miles Slusher to kind of step up into that leadership role as well. Uh, but I'm always a little bit nervous whenever it's uh, whenever it's a, a sophomore in his second year. Uh, but then again, we saw it last year with Jalen Catalan doing it in his second year. So uh, maybe, maybe Miles Slusher can can step up and be the guy that they need him to be.
1: So what's next for Jalen Catalan? Alex, you can get in on this too. Is he going to come back to Arkansas should he go to the draft? I mean, what do we think is the best decision for Catalan? We're gonna make it for him now, and then he can he can just listen to our advice and then make his decision later.
3: Yeah, you know, maybe a ten percent agent purse if if he does decide to go to the next level. Who knows? I'm just spitballing here. But um, you know, prior to a couple of days ago, I thought he was a Sherlock to go to the NFL. Uh, after this season and i still am leaning towards him leaving for the draft because he has that much talent he's shown over the last couple years that he can be that guy at the next level um the problem is when you're coming off you didn't necessarily have a great season to begin with and then you're also injured there are some question marks there for nfl teams and i think you know we saw him mocked in the first round earlier this year you think maybe hey second, third, fourth, starting to slip down that chart. Um, I, I think he's going to have to get with people who know a lot more than I do and see, hey, what, what's the risk here? What's the reward here? And make the best decision for him.
1: All right. Well, let's let's hit some other injuries. Let's talk about Markel Utzi. He's going to be out this week. No Dalton Wagner still. Hutch, you want to update us on the injuries that you know about? And uh, we know that it's not really going to affect Arkansas this week, Hopefully but after the bye week um, are there still going to be some lingering injuries that you know might be questionable?
2: It sounds like Markel Etsy, you know the defensive tackle slash defensive ends uh, he's not going to be able to play this weekend which again you don't really need him it does kind of stink for him though because he is a little rock guy and so it would have been a chance for him to to return to his hometown that would have been cool but Uh, more, more importantly, you need him against Mississippi state. And it sounds like he's going to be back for that. Uh, Dalton Wagner starting right tackle has missed last couple of games. He'll be missing his third straight game this week after he had a finger surgery. I think it was last week. Um, he'll, he's, he's expected to be back against Mississippi state. Uh, so those, those, that's good news. It sounds like Ludarius Bishop. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, he should be back and able to play this weekend. Uh, you probably don't really need him against UAPB, but it'll be good for him to kind of get back into the the groove of things, because uh, you will need him against the air raid. So uh, I think other than that, they're they're in, in pretty good shape.
1: Hutch, I wanted to ask you about that. We're gonna switch gears like real quick here. I wanted to ask you about this award that Kevin Copps was nominated for. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but have you seen the list of the other people that were nominated for the award? Because that is a that's a great group to be around.
2: Yeah, that's one heck of a group. I and mean, I think I saw Simone Biles was on that list, and a couple other ones, the uh, Olympians, and things like that. So that's one heck of a list. And uh, you know, I, I know I'm biased probably because I watched him all season, and I think he's an incredible story, and he may be one of my favorite athletes or favorite stories to cover during my 10 plus years or however long I've been covering the Razorbacks uh so I think he's got a decent I mean I would give him my vote but I don't know if he'll be able to beat out the likes of Simone Biles and some of the other people that are on that list
1: okay and then last last little honor thing we got going on this week the Arkansas offensive line was um one of 19 to be selected for the midseason honor roll for the Joe Moore Award. I don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. Um, if you can explain that a little more, Hutch, I mean, we know that the offensive line is much improved this year. The So what What exactly is that award?
2: Yeah. So the Joe Moore award was started, I don't know, three, four, five years ago, something like that. It honors the top offensive line unit in college football. I think it's a really cool award because everyone talks about, you know, the top offensive linemen. I think they've got like the Remington and uh, for like the center and, You know, for individual positions, uh, but the offensive line more than any other position on the on the team, uh, either side of the ball, has to work as one. And if you've got a really good offensive line, you know, we've seen at Arkansas, you know, when they had Frank Ragnow, who was an incredible talent, a first round talent, the offensive line still sucked because he was the only guy that was you know worth anything, and so. Uh, we've and so I think it's a really cool award, and it's one that I think Sam Pittman probably really values because of his offensive line background. I think his unit at Georgia, his former unit at Georgia probably has the, the 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 straight line there for the the act to win the actual award. Uh, but for ought to be considered one of the top 19 offensive lines in college football in year two under Sam Pittman is is pretty impressive because they were they were probably bottom 19 in the country before he took over and luckily it should only get better because
1: he's just going to continue to get the guys that he wants in here um, rather than the guys he inherited so um that's going to do it for news of the week next up we got some hoops talk with jackson collier of hogbeat.com get your fix before the season starts he's going to talk red white game a couple exhibitions coming up and then uh, a little bit of recruiting as well, because we know that basketball recruiting has been wonderful lately for Arkansas. So, and then after that, we're going to do a UAPB preview ourselves. Um, that should be interesting because there's not a whole lot to preview. So, all that coming up here on the Hogbeat Hour.
0: You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com.
2: Welcome back into the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Andrew Hutchinson, your managing editor of Uh, Hogbeat.com. We're going to hit pause on the football talk right now. We're going to shift gears a little bit. So I'm I'm super excited to be joined by Jackson Collier, our hoops expert over at Hogbeat.com. He's been doing a fantastic job covering all things Arkansas basketball. Uh, Jackson, let's just hop right into it with recruiting. Uh, Arkansas has had quite quite a little hot streak on the recruiting chart lately, huh?
4: Yeah. You know, it was one of those things where, um, over the summer and even a little bit before then, um, it was looking like, you know, maybe uh muscleman and staff would land one or two more recruits here, or there. Um, obviously Nick Smith was a, was a hot name because he's in state prospect five-star prospect, pretty much consensus. I think he is a consensus five-star prospect. Um, but there was a lot of confusion over uh, where he stood, where his mind was at, as far as where he was going to go to college. A lot of people uh, just immediately assumed he would go to Kentucky. And then you had some other uh, names floating around out there outside of him. And then of course, Jordan Walsh over the summer too. Um, But after all of that, you just, you came to this point where it was late August, early September, and everything is pointing to Arkansas for Jordan Walsh and for Nick Smith. And, and you have the solid recruiting class already before either one of them already commits. You have Darian Ford, you have Barry, Barry Dunning, you have Joseph Pinion. So you have a really solid class uh, as it was. And then you cap it off in pretty much almost back to back weeks. I think there was a separation of like three weeks between Nick Smith and Jordan Walsh. And it's just incredible. Uh, it's, it's recruiting at a level that I haven't seen since professionally covering the Razorbacks. It's recruiting at a level. Um, I wrote a piece uh, comparing all the different recruiting classes and, and, and signees in the Rivals era since 2002. And, you know, it, it's the level that I have personally, I don't think I've ever seen uh, for the Razorbacks. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And I think
2: right now the class is ranked, uh, I think I saw where Kansas landed a recruit uh, just recently that bumped them above Arkansas, but on rivals, they're still number four in the country right now. And it sounds like they might possibly maybe not be done. Uh, what can you tell us on, on potentially uh, more recruits they might be after?
4: So I would have told you over the summer that I thought Arkansas was only going to sign four players or land four commits. And right now they're at five. So obviously i was off on that because they're already over my initial estimation of four and they might have a sixth coming in now too and you know there's a a lot of time left there's a lot of moving parts left you never know but anthony black is a name that has been thrown around a lot Um, the staff has been recruiting him hard ever since the live period in the summer opened up um and you know uh, after covid there was a bunch of restrictions on actually playing games and having coaches and attendance to see games. But once those were able to be opened up, as soon as all of that opened up this summer, uh, Arkansas staff was hitting everything hard, you know, watching Nick Smith, watching Jordan Walsh, and then uh, their commits at the time or recruits at the time to Dunning and Ford and uh, Pinion or Pinion was already committed. Um, but Anthony Black has been the, one of the other constants they have been uh watching they've been in contact uh, with him ever since the beginning of the summer and now we're at a point where right now I'm I'm, I think he's a soft Oklahoma State lean at this point um but Arkansas is right there in the mix they have been in the mix for a while um Anthony Black also has a Gonzaga offer I think it's going to come down to those three schools um and I don't know what his timeline is on his decision. I don't think it's anytime soon unless he comes out sometime in the next week and, and says, Oh, Hey, I'm deciding next week. Um, but I don't see that. I feel like his decision and and his recruitment is going to be a little bit of a longer process. Um, and like I said, Arkansas is not out of it yet. Um, but I think he's priority number one. And then another name that's on the list is Brandon Miller. And he's a little bit of a wild card, but he's somebody that, the staff is at least contacted through different channels. I think they've contacted uh, through Brandon's parents and trainer and stuff like that. So he's another name to watch. I don't think there's much there, um, but at least another name to keep an eye out on.
2: Yeah. And these guys that we're talking about, I mean, it's a lot to be excited about for the future, but these guys aren't going to be making it to campus until the 2022, 23 season. Uh, We've got a whole, whole season to, to play before we get to that point and this, this year's team looks like it's going to be pretty good The AP poll came out this week Arkansas is ranked number 16 in the preseason uh, first time in 14 years they've been in the preseason poll uh, they they did play the red white game in Barnhill over the weekend uh, I guess you were able to watch that on, on the on the SEC Network Plus stream I'm, I'm curious kind of what your takeaways were from that uh, basically glorified practice
4: yeah, so it was it was really great to see, first of all, because I love watching r- basketball in general. It was, it was fun to be able to watch college basketball again, even if it was just a red-white game. Um, but it was really interesting, too, because you look at the team from last year, and while you do have some returning pieces, you do have a lot of new pieces, too. You, you return J.D. Notte, you return Devontae Davis, Jalen Williams and Connor Vanover, but outside of that, you know, you add in transfers, uh, Audis Tony, you add in Stanley Amude, you add Chris Likes. KK Robinson is almost like a new player. Cause he, he was on the roster, but he was hurt almost all of last season. Um, you know, Trey Wade, Jackson Robinson, you have four-star out-of-state freshman, Chance Moore. You have a lot of new pieces uh, on this team. Kamani Johnson, who was on the roster last year, but had to sit out. So a lot of new pieces and a lot of evaluation to do on how they're going to develop chemistry, um, how everybody's going to fit into their roles, and all that sort of stuff. It's the same type of conversation uh, I was having last year with some of the coaching staff when you bring in all these guys, how do you develop that chemistry? Because that is one of the more difficult um, things to do when you have such regular roster turnover is to develop the chemistry. Um, one thing I did notice at the red-white game, it it didn't seem like chemistry was just overtly lacking. Um, it seemed like it, it was at least at a pretty strong foundational level. And that's something that Musk takes pride in is his ability to develop chemistry because he takes pride in his CBA and his MBA and his um, G League background where you and you're in the G League. You don't know who's going to get called up, who's going to get cut or any sort of thing like that. So you have to have guys who can play. You have to coach in a way that guys can all play together. Um, outside of that specifically, um, you know, I was really impressed. Number one, with Stanley Amude. I think um, he is going to be the star of this team. He is probably the best scorer, which is saying a lot when you also have J.D. Notay and Chris Likes on your team. Um, But, you know, he averaged, not average, but he had a double-double in the red-white game. He averaged 21 points and seven rebounds at South Dakota last year. He's one of the best scorers in all of college basketball. And yesterday, or last week, um, he did the same thing. 16 points, he shot 50% from the three-point line, just under 50% from the field, also had 11 rebounds and I think five assists, just really filled up the statue. So I was really impressed with him. I was also really impressed by the point guard play as a whole. Um, that was kind of a question mark going into this season because Musselman's first two years you kind of had an established point guard. You had Jimmy Witt running the point guard uh, his first year. You had Jalen Tate running the point guard last year, and so now. In the red white game, you had four different guys run the point guard position at some point. You had Devonte Davis taking some time at point, which was really kind of interesting to me since he has been here. Uh, he spent his freshman year at the two three spot. Um, KK looked really comfortable comfortable running the point spot. Then you had uh, likes and Notte as well, and I think they all bring something different to the table. And I think you know. As comfortable as Devo looked handling the ball, that might be something to look out for, at least by the time we get to conference play, because if you want to run a tall lineup out there, if you run Devo at point, that's a 6'4 point guard. You're also running the possibility of having a Jackson Robinson at the 2 at 6'7, Tony at 6'7 running the 3. And then you have a at the four, at six, 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 seven as well. And then you can have Jalen or Connor at the five, and that's a very tall lineup. If you want to run a Devonte Davis at the point guard, you have uh, KK Robinson, who looks like he's probably the best game manager, the best true point guard out of the bunch. Um, he does a really good job of getting the team in uh, into the set. You know, he can hit the three point shot. He's not going to force anything. Uh, really good defender. Really fast. While likes is a guy who can take anybody off the dribble and he will, he, he, that's his strong suit is getting to the bucket. He is so small, but so fast. Uh, he can just beat almost anybody off the dribble and really um, collapse a defense. And JD Note is just one of the best shot creators uh, and scorers in the country as well. Uh, so I think they each with the ball in their hand, bring something completely different that all uh, or each can benefit the team. And it was all really impressive. But another major takeaway to me was coach Muss letting Jalen Williams shoot a little bit more, you know, last year in high school, he was, a, he could shoot and he was allowed to shoot a little bit more as a freshman in college. Uh, Mussman didn't exactly let him shoot a whole lot. He acknowledged as much in the post game presser, I think too, I'm like, oh, well, he's always been able to shoot. We might not have just let him shoot all that much last year. Um, And a lot of that, I think, is just not wanting to ask too much of a freshman big. Bigs are a lot, or they take a lot longer to develop typically. And he was already playing a pretty big role as a freshman. But man, you saw it uh, in the red-white game. He was 40% from three. That's going to really open up the pick and pop option um, at at the top of this key. And and that's really going to open up the offense as well. So a lot to take away Really a lot of good things going in the red-white game.
2: And, of course, the regular season kicks up on, on November 9th. Uh, they welcome Mercer into Budwalton Arena. But before then, they actually have a couple of exhibition games. Uh, the first one coming up this Sunday uh, It is against East Central University, I believe. It's a Division II school in Oklahoma. Uh, that's usually what these, division, uh, or these exhibition games are. They're against a, a lower-level team, so they can get some good – uh, reps in there and then uh, just announced uh, Wednesday late afternoon the second exhibition game which is November th- or October 30th which is uh, I believe that a Saturday the, the Saturday Arkansas football does not play they're gonna be playing an exhibition game against North Texas a, a NCAA tournament team from last year uh, it's one of those uh, charity games I guess you could call it so uh, some some exciting games coming up real action uh, Jack so I'll just ask you I will end it on this you know, what do you hope to see out of these two exhibition games? Which I guess I should mention, the East Central University game is not going to be streamed anywhere. Uh, I, I think it might be on radio. I'm I'm honestly not sure on that, but I do know it's not going to be on SC Network Plus or anything. I think there's a, a soccer game on campus that day. Uh, but I'm curious, Jackson, what what you're hoping to see out of both the the exhibition game against the division two school as well as an exhibition against the uh, what appears to be a quality team out of the Conference USA.
4: So I guess out of the uh, the first exhibition against East Central, uh, the biggest takeaway is to be able to play with a lead, which it, it might sound kind of condescending or something like that, but. You, it really is a skill, especially in, in any sport, but especially in basketball, to be able to play with a lead and not get too comfortable with it. Uh, Muss has done a good job um, in his first two years so far of maintaining intensity, make sure making sure his guys um, have stayed, I guess, focused on the task at hand and and not getting too comfortable. And, and you know, a lot of people might point, oh, well, you know, there are a lot of times of teams will almost come back or it'll get close at the end a lot of that is kind of orchestrated because must run stall ball where you know he'll he'll play the percentages the analytics of hey we're up 15 with four minutes left we don't really have to push to score and so then you get some teams that cut it closer but that's still playing with the lead intentionally playing with the lead and then doing things with purpose i think If you can take that game, take a big lead and hold on to it while also getting some of the younger guys or some of the guys who are deeper down in the rotation some minutes, uh, get them some actual game experience. That'll be key. Uh, Just because you can never have enough uh, actual game reps for anybody. You never know who's going to go down with an injury. You never know. Uh, anything like that so it's always always crucial to get actual game reps for the guys at the at the bottom of your roster for your freshmen uh, for guys who aren't expecting to play a whole lot just because no matter how talented your team is or no matter how deep your roster is there are going to be people who don't have as many game reps who are going to come in and come in in some point in the season based on an injury or foul trouble or anything like that and they're going to be rusty or they're going to be Scared or nervous or excited, or all the above. So, any sort of game reps are crucial. As far as North Texas goes, um, you really want to see kind of the same thing, but also just being able to handle a legitimate opponent, Um, an opponent you're probably better than on paper, um, albeit still a quality opponent. Northern Texas. Last year, obviously, made the NCAA tournament, has some good players, have a really good coach in Grant McCaslin. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just – Arkansas is gearing up to try to, to improve on an Elite Eight run with an even better roster than they had last year. So they're they're hoping for Elite Eight or Final Four or, or even more this, this upcoming season. So when you're playing against the North Texas, you don't want to disrespect them and be like, dismissive and and right off the game, but you also have to understand Arkansas is looking at getting a 10 to 15 point lead and holding that for pretty much the whole game and also being able to figure out their rotation a little bit more for an actual uh, game. They'll probably do some fine tuning on who subs win for who, Um, you know, you'll have your starting five and they they might even still be working on their starting five too. If you have, for instance, you have a starting lineup of Chris likes Devontae Davis, Audis Tony, uh, Stanley Amude, Jalen Williams. Say that's your starting five. Well, even if you have that five solidified, you have to work around. Who's going to come in off the bench first? A lot of people say J.D. Note. Who does he come in for first? Do you bring him in for Devontae Davis and make him run point and move likes to the off ball? Or do you bring him in for likes and run the same with Devo at the point or or Note at the point? All that sort of stuff. Then you have KK and Trey Wade to work in. You have Kamani Johnson, Connor Vanover. So you're trying to figure out who you bring in next, who you take out first, how you adjust that rotation, because it is positionless basketball at the end of the day, but that also means you're having guys play multiple positions at once. You're not going to have them be statically in one position. So fine tuning the rotation, getting people minutes and being able to maintain a lead against a good opponent.
2: Yeah, it sounds like Eric Muslin has uh, has his work cut out for him over the next couple of weeks before Mercer comes to town. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to it. You know, Arkansas finally got that monkey off its back last year by making it not only to the Sweet 16, but also getting to the Elite Eight. I know a lot of Arkansas fans are are looking for, for at least that again, uh, but it, it's good to have some some basketball talk here mixed in with football, uh, but when we get back, we will be shifting gears to football. We're going to be looking ahead to, uh, I guess, the the UAPB game that's coming up. It uh, should be a, a relatively easy one for the Hogs, but we still got to Still got to talk about it before we get to that bye week. So stay with us.
0: You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com.
1: All right, we're going to wrap up the Hogbeat Hour here with some talk of the Arkansas versus UAPB game. First in state game since 1944. First game in Little Rock against an in-state opponent since like 1925. I wrote it in my story. It was Hendrix that Arkansas played, but I can't remember what year it was. It wasn't at War Memorial, though. Um, anyways, uh, guys, not a whole lot to talk about with UAPB, but um, we can mention that Arkansas plays Arkansas State in 2025. That'll be interesting. Uh Hutch, you and I kind of talked before the episode about how this game would be a little bit more interesting if Arkansas was playing maybe a UCA. Now I'm from Conway, but I still think that it would be a lot cooler if Arkansas is playing UCA this weekend rather than UAPB.
2: It would definitely be a much more challenging game for Arkansas because UCA is a very quality, you know, football program. As you know, being from Conway, they, you know, have been ranked in the FCS. And so that, that would be much more of an opportunity to see, you know, some sort of North Dakota State Appalachian State upset kind of thing, uh, but UAPB is, uh, let's just say, not as good as UCA. They are one and six and have really, really struggled. I think their one win was over a D two team, uh, and yeah, they they have been not very good this year. So yeah, I think it would have been much more interesting. If it was UCA, but I think it's gonna be a lot easier of a game because it is UAPB. If you if
1: you go to the UAPB like site on ESPN and you're looking at the teams that they played, the team that they beat doesn't even have their logo up or any players from the box score. So that that tells you how how uh, good the team they beat was. So but it is a game in War Memorial Stadium. After a year off, you didn't have a game in War Memorial. Um, we all know here in the state of Arkansas it's it's really just a 50-50 split of if you think they should play War Memorial and if you think they shouldn't. Being from Conway, I grew up going to games at War Memorial. I've probably been to – I've definitely been to more games in Fayetteville, but I've been to a lot of games at War Memorial. Um, so I kind of have like that emotion tied to it. Hutch, you're you're a Northwest Arkansas guy. What do you think about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I went to a handful of games down at War Memorial, and I was there for Miracle on Markham 2, uh, where Casey Dick threw it to London Crawford. I was there whenever Arkansas beat LSU in 2010 to, to clinch a spot in the Sugar Bowl, and it was an incredible atmosphere. Those were some of my best memories of going to games. However, times have changed. The difference in the stadiums now is just too big to to ignore i mean you've got it as your background mason on, on on the zoom and it's an incredible stadium they have in fayetteville seventy six thousand uh, compared to i believe fifty four thousand something at warm world stadium there was a time when warm world was bigger than the stadium in fayetteville i mean even up until like in my lifetime up until I, they did the renovation in 2001 uh so the stadium is better you know there's recruiting aspect to it which i'm sure alex will touch on here in this segment uh, but you you've got it to me i think you can maybe play a game in at, at warren world stadium every now and then you know it's kind of an homage to the past but the majority of your games really need to be in fayetteville you can have more fans more fans show up i'm, I'm terrified to see what the, the attendance looks like on saturday with it being an 11 a.m kickoff against uapb I remember the Florida A&M and Alcorn State games down there. They did not have very many fans. And uh, if you're only going to have 30,000 fans show up at, you know, at Wormorow Stadium, if you can get 50,000 fans at Razorback Stadium, even though it's still going to be look really empty, that's still an extra 20,000 tickets. And I'm, you know, I have to be a math wizard to know that that's going to equal a lot more money for the university of Arkansas. So man, I, I just, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not Hunter Urichek and having to make those kind of decisions because it will make some people upset. But to me, it just seems obvious with with respect to the history. I understand it. I get it as an Arkansas native. But Fayetteville is is where the university is. Fayetteville is the top venue. Fayetteville is where you can bring in official visitors and, and have a fi- and unofficial visitors that you can talk to. It's just there's too many benefits to having the games in Fayetteville. And I, I just especially when you renovated it just recently for a lot of money, you need to play as many games as you can there, in in my opinion.
1: I will say that as far as a fan's perspective, the difference between Moore Memorial and Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium is there's more there's more legroom in Fayetteville. I will say that the legroom in Little Rock is you're in a really tight area. There's a lot more legroom in Fayetteville, which is saying a lot because there's not a whole lot of legroom in Fayetteville still. Um, but Alex, I want to bring you in on this because there's been a few heartbreakers. there are more memorial. Uh, I've been to probably most of them. Uh, thinking off the top of my head, uh, Louisiana Monroe. That one was horrible. Toledo. That one was horrible. Um, but Alex, do you think that maybe it puts you at a disadvantage to travel to Little Rock? Um, I've talked to some people on the team and they're not looking forward to having a pack up on Thursday just to go down to Little Rock. Um, I know the marching band has to get up at like two thirty in the morning, bust down to Little Rock and then come back after the game. So Alex, what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I think anytime you're moving away from home, you're going to be at a disadvantage. We saw it, you know, with the Texas A&M game that's why so many people are against hey why why are we going over to Dallas to give Texas A&M essentially a break from coming to Razorback Stadium you've got the same thing here you're not necessarily going to fall into that trap against Pine Bluff but against teams like Ole Miss um, or or even lesser FBS teams you're still going to have that tough situation of oh you know when things get tough we're not going to have 50, 60,000, 70,000 people backing us up. We've got a much smaller fraction of that. And that's, you know, that's never good, especially when you're a team like Arkansas, who's been in some pretty, you know, hyped up environments so far this season.
1: I just want to mention something and I want to know your thoughts. You mentioned how the fans in War Memorial, there might not be as many this weekend because you're playing an FCS team. And you mentioned Florida A&M, you mentioned Alcorn State, but do you think that it's a little bit different because it is Pine Bluff? you think the Pine Bluff fans are going to travel a little bit more and maybe help fill out the stadium? Because it isn't just all Arkansas fans.
2: Yeah, I think there might be a few UAPB fans that, that make the trip. I mean, Pine Bluff is, is really close to Little Rock, a really easy trip. Uh, I don't know how many fans UAPB normally draws for a home game. Uh, but I think I saw or I heard that they're, they're bringing their bands, which one, that'll be awesome to see at halftime. Uh, but also that will help fill the stands a little bit. Uh, there will be people that maybe travel just for the band because, you know, UAPB is one of these HBCUs that are kind of known for for having an awesome, awesome band. So I, I'm kind of excited about it from that perspective. But again, you know, I, I think, I can't remember which, game. I think it was maybe the Florida A&M game or something. I think that was also like a Thursday night game, uh, with maybe not great weather. Um, and I think it drew like 26,000 fans or something, just, just abysmal. You, you cannot be an SEC team and draw that unless your name is Vanderbilt. So, uh, that that's just not good. Yeah. You probably wouldn't draw very many in Fayetteville either. And I, I get it. I've, I feel for the fans whenever Arkansas's is like, hey, we're giving you a game, but, yeah, it's the FCS team that we should blow out by 50. Um, I feel for the fans. I really do because I'm sure more fans would show up against an LSU. But the difference is, and, you know, you look at look at the other sports, you know, men's basketball and baseball both play games down in Central Arkansas. You know, at Dickey Stevens and at, uh, I guess, Simmons Bank Arena is now what it's called. That game always sells out, even though they're playing – Mississippi Valley State in baseball, or uh can't remember who they played in, in basketball down there, but uh, I think they played Valpo down there. So lesser teams, they still sell out. They're not going to play an LSU or a Kentucky in basketball down in in central Arkansas because you're going to be able to sell out 19,000 fans at Bud Walton or 12,000 fans at Baum Walker Stadium, just like if you play. LSU down in in Little Rock, yeah, you're gonna sell out 54,000, but you would sell out 70 plus thousand in Fayetteville. So that argument to me is not a one that should be used to say, "Hey, well, give us a better game and we'll show up." Well, show up if you really want to keep the games down there, and they just haven't done that the last few years. Fans, I get it, I feel for them, and it is not cheap, Uh, but still, to me, I, I just I, I got off on this rant. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but the games in Fayetteville just make so much more sense. And plus, the venue down in Little Rock is not exactly easy on the eyes. It there's always issues with the scoreboard, the play clock, Wi-Fi for the media. I know people don't necessarily care about that, but that that's huge for our jobs. Uh, it's just it's it never goes great whenever they they're down there. And that's not even counting the fact that they don't typically play well. Uh, you mentioned the ULM Toledo. They've had some heartbreakers against Ole Miss down there. Uh, just, just never seems like it goes well down there.
1: I'll say two more things about War Memorial, and then we can move on. First of all, I don't know about you guys. Uh, maybe this is just the the person who's been to so many games in War Memorial. Um, I think the tailgating might be better at War Memorial on the golf course. Um, I feel bad for the people who manage the golf course. I don't even know if that golf course is still in use at this point, but it gets destroyed every, every single time, um, especially if it's a rainy game, but I think the tailgating might be better at War Memorial. And then second, this, this is just a fun fact. I'm pretty sure the U of A band and the Pine Bluff band are going to perform together on the field at halftime this weekend. So I, that's just that's just to make the game a little bit more fun for the fans going. And then if you want to catch the halftime performance on the SEC network, I guess they do that still. But, okay, let's, let's skip the UAPB talk. Let's skip previewing their team. And let's talk about young guys getting action for Arkansas. Um, Alex, we'll start with you. Who is somebody that you want to see get more play time? And let's not talk about the running backs because we'll talk about them later.
3: Yeah, it's the same guy I've been wanting to see all year uh, in Keytron Jackson, Jr. I think this kid has some real potential at that wide receiver position. And, you know, with getting Traylon Burks off the field and getting Tyson Morris off the field, you're going to be able to see him a little bit more in this game. Hutch, you can go ahead. Who's someone that you're looking at?
2: I mean, I think it's the obvious answer and one that I'm sure a lot of people will say, but Malik Hornsby. And I don't just say that because he's the backup quarterback and I think he could be better than KJ. Cause I don't, I think KJ is the guy unquestioned and everything, but I think it's really, really important to give Malik some extended action, some extended run so that way he can get comfortable. He can get comfortable in the offense. He, he doesn't that way. Whenever something happens, like what we saw against Texas a and where KJ gets hurt and he has to actually go in there and crunch time, he doesn't panic. He doesn't freak out. And it just doesn't seem like he's ever been comfortable when he's been in there, even though the one play he got to running against Ole Miss was a disaster. So I would like to see Malik get some extended run and and get kind of comfortable in the offense, build some confidence. You should be able to have some success against UAPB. So that way, if something does happen to KJ, which I mean, is entirely possible because he is a running quarterback, uh, then that way you have a, a competent and ready to go, Backup uh, whenever you've got some very winnable games down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. What what if we could see you know a Malik Hornsby Keetron Jackson duo just emerge this weekend? That would be awesome because that's your future right there. So um I th- those were both of my answers. So you guys took those from me. So I'm just gonna you know piggyback off and say what I said. But let's move on to the running backs. Pittman loves Dominique Johnson. And from the people that I've talked to um, who are close to the running backs, Dominique Johnson is a guy that they really like. I mean, it's it's Rocket Sanders, Dominique Johnson, Traylon Smith, A.J. Green. They love everybody. But are we going to see more reps for, for Dom this weekend, Hutch? I mean, probably so. But is he maybe the lead back moving forward? Is it going to be Rocket Sanders? It's really confusing, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, I don't really know how this is all going to play out because Sam Pittman said, you know, if there, if he has one regret with how he's handled the running back situation to this point of the season, it's that he hasn't given Dominique enough carries. And it's it's hard to argue that point because when he has touched it, good things have happened. He's averaging like 6.6 yards a carry. I think that's fourth in the SEC. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and he's not just doing it against bad teams either. He's having a lot of success against the likes of Texas, Texas, uh, don't think he had a great game against Texas a m but he's done it against Ole Miss and Auburn and uh, all sorts of teams. So I would, I would expect to see his carries increase. I just don't know whose carries he's going to take away. Is he going to take away from rocket? I mean, he's looked really, really good the last couple of weeks. Is he going to take it away from Traylon Smith? That's probably the most likely answer, but it's not like he's, he struggled. You know, last year, whenever you had Raheem Boyd and Traylon Smith and, and Traylon Smith eventually emerged and took over as the guy, it was because Raheem Boyd was highly ineffective. He was averaging less than like four yards of carry, just not running the ball well. And Traylon Smith was having a lot of success. Well, this year, Traylon Smith is running the ball well. He's still averaging over five yards of carry. He's, I think he leads the team in rushing right now. Uh, so it's not like Traylon needs to be replaced because he's not doing well. He's doing well but the other guys might just, just be better. And, and these are your future guys. I mean, Traylon Smith is a senior. He's a guy who could come back as a super senior. I don't know if he will, just because of how much, you know, how much talent you have right now in, in and, and Dominique and AJ and Rocket, plus a couple of signees coming in in the next class. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know what Sam Pittman's going to do. I'm really anxious to see, although I don't know if UAPB is going to really be a good telling point because I I'm guessing we're going to see a healthy dose of Josh Oglesby and Javion hunt as well in this game. Uh, But the Mississippi state game might be a huge telling point in uh, kind of what we see in that running back pecking order.
1: Yeah. I think we kind of hinted at it earlier in the year, um, especially after the Texas game where you had all these running backs doing well, but it's like, okay, well, then what do you do with them? Because you can't have all four guys out on the field at the same time. So it creates somewhat of a, a a little bit of an issue for the coaching staff. And it's like, do we have the right guy out on the field at all times? So um, I think with these four guys, though, it's like you could probably interchange most of them and be okay. But I want to talk about the secondary. We kind of mentioned it earlier. Are there going to be some changes in the secondary that you know of, Hutch, or Alex that you might know of? Um, for this weekend and moving forward
2: yeah I feel like there's going to be some changes in the secondary uh, based on what we've seen at practice Uh, I was out there Monday and Tuesday during the viewing period it got a a really good look at the secondary both days and Jaden Johnson the true freshman was out there as the first team nickel Greg Brooks was running with the second team that looks to be like a thing that's going to happen and it looks like Simeon Blair, despite being kind of the veteran guy, he started some in the dime packages and everything. Looks like he's going to be second team. It looks like your starting safeties, which it appears they're going to be back in the 3 2 6 uh, this week. Uh, but your starting safeties are going to be not just Joe Fouché, but uh, Miles Slusher and Malik Chavis. That's kind of interesting to me. And it looks like Larry's Bishop is back, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so going to be interesting to keep an eye on that secondary and see who all plays because, again, you're going to need all hands on deck here in a couple of weeks when the air raid comes to town.
1: I'm excited to see what Jaden Johnson's got, though. I mean, we've seen glimpses of it here and there, and he's been really good. A lot of people really like him. Um, Coach Pittman has talked about how he likes him as well. So before we get to our predictions, though, I want to give Alex a chance to talk about some recruiting stuff going on this weekend some maybe stupid rules down in war memorial alex you want to go ahead
3: yeah hutch mentioned it just briefly earlier but you know similarly to when arkansas had their game in dallas um there's there's a rule from the ncaa for whatever reason that when you host uh recruits or you can't technically host them you can give out passes to recruits at these neutral site games um but you can't Talk to them or or really have any type of interaction with them, and that kind of defeats the point of having a kid out to a game, especially in this case. I know um, with the A and M game, you're just letting them see, hey, this is what we're capable of against some of the top talent in the country, and you're also opening a new pipeline to that that kind of Arlington, Dallas, Texas area where uh, you know a lot of the students at arkansas come from you're opening that to hey these players are saying oh you know i can go go play at arkansas i don't have to go to texas or texas a&m there are other options for me um with with this little rock game almost everyone to my knowledge that that plays or, or in or around arkansas has some understanding of hey the, the arkansas razorbacks are an option if if i'm at that top top level you're not really going to see many kids um persuaded into into thinking oh you know i'm going to consider arkansas now uh, i just it recruiting wise this doesn't make a whole lot of sense at least you can make an argument for the the game at ATT stadium this one um is like you guys mentioned it's a it's a homage to the past but you're not necessarily gaining a whole lot out of it on the recruiting trail
1: yeah there's a big difference between war memorial stadium and cowboy stadium um, I, if you're, if you're a recruit, I doubt that you're like, oh yeah, I get to go play in War Memorial stadium. No, you want to go play in Cowboys stadium or you want to play in Fayetteville. So, but let's get to some bold predictions. We're going to, we're going to switch it up, do some bold predictions because we did, you know, not do as much preview of UAPB. So Hutch, I'm going to let you start. What is a bold prediction you have for this weekend and make it really bold?
2: I think Arkansas is going to run for 500 yards. Yeah. that. How about that? I'll, uh, I saw a story the other day where I guess UAPB gave up 300-something to, to Southern, I want to say, and one of their running backs ran for 200-something yards. It was a school record, whatever. Uh, I could see Arkansas running for 500 yards whenever you've got KJ running the ball, Malik running the ball, your four run, primary running backs, plus Josh Oglesby and Javion Hunt coming in late in the game. I could see Arkansas just running wild all over these people. I do hope we get to see Malik throw the ball a little bit, uh, but I'm going to guess they're going to run all over these people.
1: That that was pretty bold. 500 yards is a lot, um, but you're right. It's very possible. So I'm going to go ahead and go with mine. Uh, I don't know how bold this actually is. I think, I think it's pretty bold, but I think Malik Hornsby is going to throw for – his first career touchdown pass and throw his second career touchdown pass in this game. Um, We haven't seen him throw the ball very much, but he should have plenty of opportunity to do it this weekend and hopefully he does it very successfully. So Alex, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more and I think uh both of those touchdown passes just so happened to go to Keytron Jackson Jr. Um as well as that, I'm going to toss in 100 yards receiving for him. I know Hutch is all he might have one up to me a little bit with that 500 yard total. Um but when you're there's a difference between kind of icing a game out when you're playing against a conference opponent who, you know, you're you're going to have to see every every year um with these lesser schools, you're going to, if there's a chance to get the second team in for the entire second half, they're going to get a chance to run their offense and not just sit there and pound the rock down the middle, every single play. Uh, We'll see Malik, probably, you know, not, not up in that super high passing attempt, maybe 10, 15 passes. Um, And I think, you know, who better to throw to than the true freshman who only has two catches so far this year. So um, I think that's, Fairly bold, fairly on task, and I think it's also fairly possible for this week.
1: All right, guys. I don't know if we're going to give official score predictions. I know the line was set at 51 and a half. Um, we we struggle to find who set that line, um, but that's, that's a lot of points. So any general thoughts
2: or uh, predictions that you guys want to add to this? Hutch, go ahead. I don't know if they cover 51 and a half. Um, I think as long as they win by at least 35, you feel comfortable, feel fine about it, especially if the 35 happens because your second and third stringers give up a late touchdown or two or something like that, or they struggle to move the ball for whatever reason. Uh, But I I would, to me, I see this game being your typical 52 to 10 type of game, uh, and they win. I think they're going to be up huge at halftime. And just kind of
1: coast in the second half. Alex you got
2: anything to add to that?
3: Y'all what's been the biggest problem with this team for the past three weeks? Past defense. Defense in general I think is a fair fair descriptor I mean the the rush defense was better the last couple weeks but against Ole Miss it was it was very very bad Um I think Arkansas is going to pitch a first-half shutout. As long as the starters are in the game, they're not going to get burnt. They're not going to give up any points. Um, you have to come back fired up, and, and there's really no better kind of test dummy than an in-state opponent who, who isn't necessarily what you would consider a good football team. I think this is a great uh, chance for Arkansas's defense to break out. It's a get-right game before the bye week.
1: Arkansas needs to get right, go into the bye week, and get healthy. And hopefully they do that. That's going to wrap us up here on the Hogbeat Hour. He's been Andrew Hutchinson. He's been Alex Trader. And I've been Mason Choate. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next week.